0: the playoffs are winding down to the grand finale who's going to make it to the eastern and western conference finals plus who's going to come out of this jazz clippers matchup what's happened to the jazz and of course we have our first guest coming in we're going to be talking to la ray harris about the clippers that's all coming up right now on the thatcher effect five four three two you're listening to the thatcher effect with your host nate thatcher and richie osler Round two is no joke. This is where we separate the pretenders from contenders. Get some skin in the game with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. They're offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day. The best part is that it's free to play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply See DraftKings.com for full details. All right, guys, it's going to be a super fun episode this week. We're going to have our guest L.A. Ray coming in a little bit later, but we're going to get our take on some uh, playoff matchups going on right now, as well as diving deeper into that jazz matchup with the Clippers. Man, just so tough right now, but we'll we'll break it down a little bit. Let's start off, as always, Eastern Conference, Nets-Bucks. So... When Bucks, when the Bucks like tied it up two two, um, taking it back to Brooklyn. Kyrie got injured, super terrible. Um, but now, obviously, looking at all the playoffs, major teams have injuries everywhere, and I'm thinking this is a really big opening for the Bucs. Like, for a team, for a healthy team, like this is their year. And then vintage, or should I say, just KD showed up in ultimate fashion, just. One of the best games I've seen in a while. Drops a casual 49 points in it. Like he played every single minute. He had 49 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists, two blocks, three steals. Like insane. And just goes on an absolute tear against their defense, which by the way just seemed non-existent for whatever player they put up against him. They tried a bunch of different matchups, and KD just roasted all of them. So Richie, what stands out to you from that crazy game and going forward in that Nets-Bucks matchup?
1: I mean, honestly, like, I feel like the Bucks did about as good as they could have done on KD. KD was just making a lot of really good shots. I feel like P.J. Tucker was doing good um, for a good majority of the game, and then he kind of got into foul trouble late in the game, and they took him out until, like, the very end. Um I feel like the main problem for the Bucks that game was actually their offense, especially towards the end of the game. Um, I feel like the Bucks should have figured out how to attack the Nets better, especially because like in the first couple of minutes of that game, you see that Harden is injured. Um, You know, he comes back, but he's not playing like he used to be playing and obviously he's pretty hurt. Um, But the Bucs just kind of like, they never really attacked that mismatch. And when they did, it was kind of like a stupid attack. Like I'm thinking of the Giannis post up on Harden at the end of the game where Giannis does a turnaround jumper. It's like, no, Giannis, you got to back him down into the paint and get an easy bucket because that's what Giannis should be doing. Um, And I I feel like there were just kind of like a lot of questionable things that the Bucs have been doing on offense. Drew Holiday is a really good player and – he should be doing better in this series. Um, he had 19 points in that game five. Um, Middleton at 25, Giannis had 34. They didn't get anything out of PJ Tucker, but that's fine. I mean, PJ Tucker was mainly in there to defend Durant. But at one point, the Bucs were running a lineup that I really liked where they were running it with uh, PJ Tucker, Giannis, Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Pat Connaughton. And Pat Connaughton's able to kind of get to his own shot. He's a great cutter. Um, He's able to get to the basket at times and he's a good shooter. Um, So that lineup, you have Giannis as your five. And I feel like they were successful with that lineup. And then they sub Brooke Lopez back in um, and they take Pat Connaughton or PJ Tucker out and Brooke Lopez for his life cannot play basketball anymore. Um, I just don't think he's a good player. He can't shoot threes. And when he does, he's super inefficient. Um, I feel like he's not able to post up like he used to be able to. And just the spacing with Giannis, it just doesn't work. Um, I don't know. Those are kind of my takes. I think the Bucs didn't play their best game. I feel like the Bucs should have had that game pretty easy considering they were up for most of the game.
0: Yeah, and especially with – we talked about it before. When you have two of those big three out, it's very possible for your team to win – and me personally, and I think everyone else, all the other sports fans around the league just really thought this was the Bucs game to lose, the series to lose, actually. And it was really surprising. And I think KD, like you said, he made um, eight of 11 contet- like super contested shots and that dagger three um, at the end was just nuts. Um, it was fun to watch him play. But yeah, crazy, crazy matchup. I'm going to be interested to see how this one plays out because I feel like this is kind of a coaching thing Um We talked about um, uh, Budenholzer a little bit before. Um, He's like not that great of a coach, in my opinion. And I feel like there's some things he obviously that they could do differently. I don't know if they need to talk to Giannis because like you said, I feel like he's taking shots that just aren't his thing. I see a lot of like walk up, pull up threes. Like you said, jumpers, uh, fadeaway jumpers when the paint is absolutely his. And he dominated the paint even in that game. He played absolutely great in the paint um made almost all the shots so that one's going to be interesting to see how they respond at home because obviously they've had better home games um do you do you think the nets or the bucks are going to take this one because you know by next week this series will be over
1: um i don't know if they said anything if Kyrie is going to play or not i don't think so and i kind of think harden isn't going to instantly be okay you know like yeah, he played 45 minutes in that first game, which is a lot after coming back from a hamstring injury. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of Harden's progression. But I do think the Bucks are going to take this game. Um, credit to Jeff Green in Game 5. Jeff Green was incredible in Game 5. He had 27 points. I swear he made every shot he took. And they were so good at finding him. KD especially was great at finding him. Um, for the Supersonics fans, it's good to see those two guys that were drafted by the Sonics in the same year doing good again um, on the same team. But I don't know. I don't see Jeff green going off for 27 again. I also think that Giannis might be the best person to guard KD. Um, I've mentioned a lot, those regular season matchups that they had. And in those regular season matchups, they had Giannis guarding KD. I don't think I've ever seen anybody not, anybody be able to contest KD's jump shot successfully besides Giannis. Um, and Giannis had a couple of blocks on him in the regular season. So I think we're going to see some Giannis on KD. That'll mean that Giannis's offensive role might change a little bit. Um, he might be more passive because he'll be a little bit more tired. But overall, I kind of think that would be a good thing for the Bucks. So I'm going to say the Bucks win game six. And then Brooklyn, back back to Brooklyn for seven.
0: I like that. I think this one's really up for the air. I do think Bucks win game six, but I have no idea who's what Bucks team is going to show up in Brooklyn in game seven. Um, if it's that same Bucks team, absolutely the Nets take this one. That Kyrie injury looks it looked like a little gruesome. I don't know. Maybe that was just yeah. like the angle that they had on it when his foot is literally 90 degrees to the floor, but who knows? It could be like Donovan mm-hmm. and you know, he'll play through it in some form yeah. or fashion. Bigger news, though, that Hawk Sixers game, Richie, I know you missed it because you were in physical attendance at the (laughs) Jazz game, which is a really good excuse. But that was an absolutely crazy ending to a fantastic series that has gone on. When we were previewing these these matchups, we we knew that this one was going to be going down to the wire. This one's going to this one was going to be a long series. It looked like maybe in game two and game three that Sixers maybe take this one over. They took those ones pretty easily. Felt like they controlled the pace. Um, Hawks take a really close game. And then they come back here, and it looks back like, you know, the Sixers are taking over again. Um, everyone seems to be fitting in their roles in those first three quarters. They're up 26 at one point in the third. Have an 18-point lead going into the fourth. And the Hawks just go on a crazy run. There, I think Joel Embiid and um, it might have been Harris or Curry. There was only Joel Embiid and whether a player was the only two players that scored for the Sixers in the fourth. Seth Curry. Yeah. 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 the Two players that scored. Like, that is absolutely crazy. I can't even, I can't even fathom that. And we just saw a terrible game from the Jazz and I can't even imagine what Sixers fans are feeling. Um, <laughs> and Lou Williams, I felt was amazing in that fourth quarter as well. Um, Lou Williams comes in. He made... 11 straight points for the Hawks at one point and finished with, you know, 13 point or finished with 15 points on seven, 11 shooting some big stats though. Looking back at this game, this is the biggest playoff comeback in Hawks franchise history. The fourth biggest playoff comeback in NBA history. And when teams are up before, before that game, when teams were up by 18 points or more heading into the fourth quarter in a playoff game, their record was 476 to three. Um, I think the biggest turning point was Ben Simmons for a guy that really talks his way into a lot of conversations. He's trying to be a co lear with Joel Embiid on the Sixers team. He just seems to be the guy that doesn't show up at the end. And obviously you can't count on him on a shooting and the Sixers took advantage of him in the end. They foul him a lot in this series and it's, it's working out for them so well. So looking back they're going back to Atlanta what's what strikes you about this Sixers Hawks matchup and do you think that Atlanta could pull this one out
1: I absolutely believe Atlanta could pull this one out I'm I'm becoming an Atlanta fan I've never liked Trey Young in my life ever since you know he became notorious in college I just thought there's no way this guy is gonna succeed in the NBA he's too small um he doesn't have good shot making. Um, decisions. Um, but credit to Trey Young. Trey Young's been incredible. Um, I do think it's funny that the self proclaimed defensive player of the year let Trey Young score 39 points last night. Um, <laughs> I I do think that's worth noting. Um, I think when you look at the 76ers, you're kind of putting the blame on three people, really. Um, first is Embiid. And Embiid had a really good first half. Um, He looked totally healthy and he didn't look healthy in that second half. I don't I don't know if you can really say that, but he just it just seemed like he was kind of fatigued in the second half. Um, And I mean, he didn't play great in the second half. Yeah, he was one of their only players to score, but he didn't play great. Um, I also think their next problem is Ben Simmons. Um, And I feel like a lot of the problem is between those two, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. How do they play together? I feel like they're not the best fit. And it seems like they've had a lot of kind of chemistry issues over the years. And that's always been kind of a hot topic. And I feel like that's why Ben Simmons has been on the trading block for so long. Um, and then I feel like the third problem is Doc Rivers. Um, so I have an interesting stat about Doc Rivers. And Doc Rivers, I think, I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's a Hall of Fame coach like people proclaim that he is. Um, he had one really good year. Uh, 2008 in Boston and credit to him when they won the championship. But since then he hasn't had really great years and he's had some really bad years um, over the last two post seasons. You look at the biggest um, leads blown in a game and doc rivers has the first one this year, which was 26 points. And then last year in 2020 against, um, against the nuggets, also another one against the nuggets. So those are the top three leads blown in the last two years and then rick carlisle has one and then doc rivers again then mike budenholzer brad stevens and then doc rivers again so his teams have really just kind of collapsed in a lot of games um it seems like they're losing games they should be winning the 76ers had a 99.7 percent chance of winning like halfway through the third quarter yesterday um and they lost that game and they had a 95 percent chance in game four and they lost that game So it kind of makes you wonder, Doc Rivers, what's going on? You blew a 3-1 lead this year. You're going to lose to a Hawks team that a lot of people didn't even think were going to escape the first round. Um, People thought that this team was going to go to the Western Conference Finals, but now you're kind of on the hot seat. You're in the worst position you could be in. So it kind of makes you wonder about Embiid, Simmons, and Doc Rivers. Um, I think – Game sixes are kind of interesting, especially when you're going home. The Hawks can either approach that game with a lot of momentum or what will happen sometimes is they'll – it'll it'll be a trap game. And they'll just be like, oh, we have another game in the bag. You know, we don't have to put on all the cards this game. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see how the Hawks start that game. And, I mean, the start hasn't really been important in game four or five. It just matters how they finish the game. So. I'm I'm looking forward to a Hawks win in game six.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. I think credit to Nate McMillan as well. Stepping into his role as a head coach, he's making a run in Atlanta that I think a lot of fans are excited for. He obviously deserves a place um, as head coach for a little bit. And I think the schemes and the adjustments he's making is obviously what's helping them win this game. Because like you said, they're not starting off great at all. And, Throughout those middle quarters, it just seems like they're running out of gas. They're not making great decisions. But going down to the end, they seem to be the best team on the floor almost every time. And again, credit to all those players um, who are doing their jobs. And I, I, I have to agree with you. Like, Trey Young is sometimes really hard to watch, especially when you're a fan of a team that's going against him. He's a foul hunter. I think he shot maybe – I think he got 20 points from free throws last night. Wow. Um, which is
1: crazy. That is absurd. <laughs>
0: um, but again, you you like the hustle from him. Again, I might not agree with how he plays his game. I may not enjoy it, but being that young of a guy and leading this Hawks team to a potential Eastern Conference Finals is pretty is pretty insane. Um, because not even our young superstar in Donovan, it, we haven't even made it there yet. So going into this Jazz Clippers matchup. Very different episode than what we talked about last week. Because last week at this time, we were up 1-0. Now we're down 2-3 on the verge of elimination. <laughs> it's a very different scenario. Um, I felt like in game one, we talked about it before, a rough start. They find a way to finish that crazy game, crazy block. Game two, they found a rhythm in the third quarter, up 21 at one point. They go up to blow that lead with about five minutes to go in the fourth uh, as Reggie Jackson just continues to go off from three. And they find a way to come back and win that one on defense as well as hitting some crazy shots on offense. That Ingles three in transition, like everyone just leaves them wide open. Um, uh, another really good sealed game. And the Jazz go up 2-0. In your mind, Richie, after those first two games at home,
1: how did you predict this series going? Um, a lot of my prediction was based on when Mike Conley came back. Um, and so I didn't think we were going to put Mike Conley back in until we lost a game. So I kind of thought we were going to lose game three, put Mike Conley back in, and then they'd have to adjust and we'd win game four. Um, because Mike Conley adds so much to this Jazz team. He's great, number one. what The first thing I think we're really missing with Conley is a secondary ball handler who can get the ball to Gobert because we have nobody who can get the ball to Gobert. I think Donovan had one oop last night in game five. And I feel like other than that, like we just have not done a good job at exposing their smaller guy on Gobert every time. Um and Mike Conley excels at that. He's really figured that out with Rudy Gobert this year. So I feel like that's something we've really missed. Um I think if we would have had Mike Conley earlier in the series, I think we possibly would have gone up three, one, or maybe closed out the series. Um, But because Mike Conley hasn't returned yet, it really makes you wonder um, if this jazz team is going to win a single game um, for the rest of the series. And I don't know. I feel like we've really missed Mike Conley, but in other ways, we just haven't played well enough. Um, I think part of that is because Donovan is injured and it's pretty apparent that Donovan is injured and that he, He's hurting out there. And the best therapy you could give him is to have him play less time and put a secondary ball handler out there, put somebody to run the ball um, when Donovan's can't be on the court. And I feel like we've really missed that this series. I think if we had Mike Conley, this series would be completely different. I still think Kawhi and Paul George would be really good. Um, and I feel like we haven't figured out how to stop them on defense yet but I still think we'd outscore them pretty much every game. Um, And I feel like that's what the Jazz have done well this year. Our defense has been, I mean, it's been like a top five defense, yeah, um, in the regular season. I think it's different in the postseason when um, you kind of exploit different mismatches a little bit more. And I feel like people are really um, good at playing. I feel like the Clippers small ball has been really good. And it's been the perfect offensive scenario against Gobert. Um, and so in that sense, I feel like we've really, um, we've really kind of not been great on defense, but I feel like when we have Mike in, it takes a load off of Donovan and it takes a load off of Joe. And then when we have those three guys going um, successfully playmaking as well as hitting shots, I feel like the rest of the jazz just kind of, it just kind of works and everybody starts making shots and, I feel like we would outscore this Clippers team every single game. Again, without Mike Conley, I don't, I don't know if we can win another game. Um, I'm praying he plays in Game Six because we we really need Mike, especially with Donovan injured. Um, but yeah, the Clippers are a really good team. You, they, I don't know when Marcus Morris decided to turn into prime Carmelo Anthony or when Reggie Jackson <laughs> turned into Michael Jordan, dude. But They've been incredible.
0: <laughs> yeah, the supporting cast of the Clippers has by far exceeded, I think, all of our expectations, especially as Jazz fans, because we've been used to seeing our supporting cast play an absolutely crucial role in a fantastic regular season. And you look at our starting five compared to their starting five, and you just have a lot of different guys that can just blow up on every given night. You like, even look at last night in that first quarter, Bogdanovich was just an absolute torch. When the little logo comes up on the bottom of TNT and says he has 18 points on six of six shooting from three, you think, "Oh, wow! The you know we should probably be up by 20, and yet we're only up by five after hitting 17 threes in the first half," which I think really shows how much our defense, as well, is. it, It seems kind of like at a standstill. I'm looking at a lot of our offensive ball movement, especially like you said, we're we're missing a prime ball handler in Mike Conley, and it just seems like um guys like joe ingles and and royce o'neill two guys that have been known to you know not shoot open shots to pass up on those it just seems like a lot of times the offense is at a standstill and it seems like there's more pressure on donovan who's standing on one leg to carry this offense um even farther than it's capable of i I think it's been very interesting to see what tyloo was doing i feel like he was moving his rotations or, or his lineups around a lot in those first two games to really try and figure out how to defend against these guys well, how to score against these guys well. The small ball lineup was deathly, and I think especially yesterday in the second half against the Jazz. It just seemed like they found the pockets that were just right um, to take away from who the Jazz had on the floor at particular moments. I think they ran the exact same play like almost two or three times in a row going down the stretch. Paul George drive to the basket, kick it out, wide open guy in the corner. Almost all their guys can shoot threes. We know that from this series. Has there, any, has there been anything on defense that has made you kind of point out the struggles in the Jazz, something that's made you worried? What do you see from what's going on on the defensive side of the ball?
1: Um, there's a couple things I've seen. I think the Clippers have made a lot of impossible shots. I feel like Reggie Jackson had some impossible shots last night, as well as Marcus Morris. That's why I said they were Carmelo and Michael Jordan last night, um, just the way that they were playing. I do also think that the jazz could be better on defense. Um, Their small ball has been really good, but a lot of times when they're running their small ball lineups, um, I feel like they're not running with five shooters. Um, I think sometimes Terrence Mann isn't a shooter. I don't think Rondo's a shooter and they were running that a lot last night. Um, And I love it when they put Zubach in because it allows Rudy to play in the paint. Um, But I just think, I feel like the Jazz just kind of have to live and die by the Terrence Mann 3, you know? Um, I feel like Rudy being on him and just kind of leaving him open is – it's kind of a win. Um, Terrence Mann might not hit all of his shots, but as soon as you start um, kind of chasing him around and as soon as Rudy can't be set where he wants to be and be able to help, that's when they're able to attack the basket. That's when they completely take Rudy defensively out of the game. Because when it comes down to it, Rudy is the Jazz's offense. Um, He's the quarterback telling everybody where to go. Um, He's the guy making the good switches, um, being able to um, guard pretty much anybody, um, and being one of the best help defenders in the NBA. So I feel like really just the Jazz just kind of haven't figured out how to make the most out of Rudy on defense. And I kind of think – you make the most out of him by just leaving somebody open, um, especially if they're playing their small ball. And I think everybody else just kind of has to face guard. Um, I think Royce and Bogey and Donovan and Joe, I think they just have to always be in the faces of whoever they're guarding. They have to deny the ball a lot, um, not, let any, not let the Clippers get anything easy. And I feel like we really, we just couldn't figure them out on defense these last three games and credit to Ty Lue because it seems like his adjustments have really been genius. And this is kind of where the narrative of Rudy Gobert gets played off the court in the playoffs comes into hand. And I don't think it's 100% on Rudy. I do think that as a coach, um, Quinn Snyder needs to be a little bit more flexible and needs to kind of put Rudy in the game more. And, I think Rudy's minutes have been kind of a hot topic like Rudy as an all NBA center realistically should be playing 40 to 45 minutes a game in the playoffs, especially when Derek favors has not had a great series. But we're not playing him um, as much as we should be. And I don't know. I feel like that's really hurt us on defense.
0: Yeah, you can just see a very apparent difference when he's off the court, especially with Donovan injured. He's he is the absolute focal point of this jazz team and you could even see last night in those crucial points going down to the fourth his his leadership is very apparent when he's calling out guys touching his teammates saying you know hey move over here hey move over here um we're gonna ask la ray this when he comes on in a little bit we talked about it last week where we talked about playoff p you know how he's <laughs> he's not apparent, right he hasn't showed up yeah. and those two games at home I would say it wasn't really Paul George as much as it was Kawhi. Kawhi seemed to have everything he wanted in those two games at home, but Paul George was also a, a pretty key element in both of those games. And then he comes to Utah now with Kawhi injured, you know, most likely out for the rest of the series. And he just seems to have the same confidence they had in those games at home. Uh, A lot of analysts around the league thought he didn't have the confidence. It's shown in the past when he's the primary ball handler, when he's the guy to depend on for scoring, he hasn't really shown up. And we talked about it last week. Just generally in the playoffs, he hasn't really shown up. And last night, it just seemed like he was as confident as could be in all of the shots. He was even driving to the paint, finding ways to attack the basket and shooting the shots that he wanted. Uh, A a great point was made by uh, Kenny on TNT, during halftime that I thought was interesting where Paul George made a lot of different decisions than what we would usually see from him in the regular season, where most of the time when he has a, you know, it's a man on man defense and he's at the top of the perimeter. Usually he'd, you know, pull a few moves on and then just, you know, shoot a three where now it seems like he's driving a lot more and trying to find those close shots and he's finding ways to finish. Has this surprised you at all? What Paul George has been doing in these last three games or What has really stood out to you from, you know, his rise to being the star of this Clippers team without Kawhi?
1: Um, One thing I think about Paul George is he should be a first option on a team. I think when he gets pushed back as the second option, um, you just don't get the best out of Paul George. And I feel like that happened in OKC when he was the second option to Westbrook. And it's kind of been happening since um, since he's been with Kawhi. It just seems like he kind of has a different mentality, but looking back on his career before OKC and before uh, the Clippers, when he played on Indiana, he was that first option. And they had, they had other options on that team. They had a solid team um, with Danny Granger, just, just, they they had like a solid roster. They were a likable team. They just get to the Western conference finals and get beaten by LeBron every year. There's (laughs) no shame in that. They were a good team. Um, And I feel like, Paul George was playoff P because of who he was as a first option. So looking kind of looking back at his career and looking like, okay, he's a legit first option. His teams have had legit success when he's been a first option and kind of looking right now, it's like, okay, he's just doing what he did earlier in his career. Um, He hasn't really digressed and, and like, he's, I don't know, like he's not less physical. Um, He's still just as athletic. Paul George isn't that old. Um, and so I don't know. I think the Clippers are really getting their best out of Paul George when Kawhi Leonard goes down. That being said, I do think Paul George is a stoppable player. Um, I don't think he is unstoppable like LeBron or Kevin Durant or Luka Doncic. Um, I think you can scheme against Paul George, but when you make him, if the jazz make him the focal of our defensive scheme, I feel like that's when their other guys are going to get going. And that's why the Clippers have been so good. Um, I had this conversation last night. Um, Somebody said to me, the Jazz really just have to focus on shutting down a couple guys tonight. Just Paul George, Reggie Jackson, and Morris. I was like, the thing about the Clippers is they're so deep. um, And you never know who's going to go off. You don't know if Luke Kennard is going to get 18 points. Or um, you don't know if Batum is just going to hit every single three-pointer because he seems like he's always open. Um, and I feel like that's where the jazz have really struggled is because, you know, you're letting your stars play really good, but they're also letting their role players play really good. And you kind of have to choose between one of the two.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's, what's been happening with, um, all those big market teams. You look at the nets and what the Lakers are trying to do as well. And it's really, it has to go back to your bench because you look at what Tyloo was doing and he's switching up his rotations. But because of how deep his roster is, he can just try out a bunch of different guys until they find what they like. And I feel like that's what we were looking at in those first two games. And then they really found what they wanted in those home games. And now going back home into game six, it seemed as if every one of those guys knew exactly what their role was. And they even they exceeded that. Looking back at the Mavericks series, Reggie Jackson was not shooting as insanely as he is right now. Um he's like you said, he just seems like it's a far fetched analogy, but it's like MJ (laughs) where I have more confidence that he's going to make it than he's going to miss it. Yeah. And you look at, like you said, Batum in the corner is just like a layup and Marcus Morris is hitting some insane shots, some insane shots. So now we're going back in to game six and I'll be honest, as a jazz fan, I, I, Like you said, without Mike Conley coming back, I don't see a lot happening for us in L.A., even if Kawhi's out. We saw that, what happened to us last night. I think it really comes down to coaching adjustments from Quinn and his staff. I think they they have to find something a little bit different to figure out this new Clippers team. How do you see this one playing out? Um, Because, you know, we'll be talking next week. Will the Jazz be done, or will they continue on? What's your take?
1: Let's hope they're not done. Um, But I think it's it's obviously very realistic that they are done. Um, I don't know. This series, it's kind of like everything has gone bad for the Jazz. Um, Donovan, I feel like if we had a healthy Donovan, we'd still be able to kind of scrape away some of these games. Um, I feel like especially last night, he would have been so crucial in that game because you had Bogey have a really big first half and Royce had a great first quarter. Um, You had some of your guys do really well on offense at the beginning of the game. And then that's when Donovan kind of takes over at the end of the game, but because he's not healthy, he wasn't really able to do that. And the jazz offense just kind of was flat at the end of the game. Um, So looking at game six, I mean, Donovan's condition isn't going to really improve. Maybe he plays a little bit harder. I don't know. Uh, Maybe he just tries to fight through his injury a little bit more, but overall, I don't think you can rely on Donovan to win you this game. Yeah. I do think, you need Clarkson to be better. You need Joe to be aggressive, especially Joe has like the best pass fake in the NBA. And I want him to run the pick and roll more. Um, I think he's really good at doing that. And it seems like every time he's he does that, he's able to get the ball to Rudy or he's able to get a layup on his pass fake. Um, I also think you kind of need more offensively from bogey in both halves because he was really great in that first half. He did have a couple turnovers, which I didn't like. Um, But in that second half, he kind of, he really struggled. And I feel like he just kind of got stuck in the corner. And it's like the Jazz offense didn't run through bogey at all. It was just kind of Donovan getting double teamed, passing it to Joe or Royce. And then one of those two just kind of not making a great decision. So I don't know. I think every player besides besides Donovan is just going to have to really elevate their level of play if we want to go in game six. And if Mike Conley's there, that really takes the load off of everybody. Um, but I don't think Mike Conley is going to come back and be like be like he was two, a series ago, you know? I think it's going to take him a minute to get adjusted.
0: Yeah. I think having Mike Conley just even in the rotation will definitely improve, I think, everyone on the floor. But like you said, just looking at James Harden's hamstring injury, he he just didn't seem like the James Harden we used to. One of ten shooting, and he like you said, he played almost the entire game as well. We're not going to be used to that movement that we usually are. And I like what you said about mentality. I think that's really crucial to this Jazz team. It's an eliminate elimination game now. Season's on the line. How are you going to show up? Because I feel like Donovan in the playoffs has that killer mentality of he really wants to stay. You saw that in his post game presser last night. He just really really wants to win, and it he he's really mad about this injury. Um obviously it was a lot worse than we all thought it was because at least I expected that he was going to be back by the beginning of the playoffs. Um, and him coming back, just ha- he had a lot of confidence and you didn't see really that much from his injury, but the more and more that they've gone on to play, you can just see the more that it's bothering him on the court. And yet he's still showing up. And I think what you also said about him being able to take control of games. He also talked about how he sees things that he's usually able to attack, but because of his injury, he's not able to. And I think especially him driving into the paint, He's an excellent finisher down low. He has crazy shots, crazy forms that he can do to have those awesome you know, floaters, hook shots, bank layups. Like The guy can do it all down there when he crashes to the glass, but obviously because of his ankle injury, he's limited to his shooting abilities. I think that if Conley comes back more than anything, I think he's going to be the guy that's going to have to run that pick and roll and have Rudy take over this game. I um, it just seemed like especially in those away games in games three and four Rudy was absolutely non-existent. I think he had less than 10 he had to have had less than 10 points or at one point. I think he had one point in the first half of game four. like he's just he he just hasn't shown up as well as we've expected him to. So I'm interested to see what coaching adjustments will be made in this this next game. So final thoughts, Richie on the jazz. Going off of your gut, I mean, you don't really have to think, or maybe you want to think a lot, but how do you see this series playing out? Is this the end for the Jazz, or do you think they take it to seven and maybe pull this one off?
1: I think, I don't know, it's hard to be unbiased here and kind of leave my emotions out of it. Um, But being at that game last night, I feel like we're going to lose game six. Um, But what do I know? I don't know. Surprise me. I hope the Jazz surprise me. I genuinely hope I'm wrong.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I literally could not agree with you more uh waking up this morning kind of feels like the season already is over in a way i don't know it's kind of weird to say yeah but uh i really do hope the jazz surprise me as well um so yeah let's let's see how this one goes out next up we got our interview with la ray so we're gonna get his take on the clippers and what he thinks about this series as well All right, so we are here with our guy L.A. Ray um, coming at us. We're going to be talking about this Jazz Clippers matchup. All right, I, I want to, before we get started, I want to know, where did you get the name L.A. Ray from?
2: Well, it's kind of funny that I'm originally from uh, Detroit, Michigan, and uh, when I met my current wife, Oh, back in 2012, somewhere around there when the Lakers were uh, playing the Boston Celtics in the um, NBA championship. And I've always been a Laker fan first. And this is before the Clippers even got to L.A. So I went over to her to her house. Her brother was there and I was rooting really hard for the Lakers. And, you know, he just asked me, hey, are you a you're a huge L.A. fan? I said, yeah, I love L.A. I love the city. I've been there several times. And but, you know, the Lakers is my passion, even even the Lakers and say the usc trojans and the la dodgers i just love everything about la sports so he just started calling me la ray i said oh, well okay that's that's different i'll take that and you know ever since then it's just it just stuck and la ray and that's to this day that's what he calls me he's either la or la ray so i just kept the name and just <laughs> and just ran with it
0: i like it i like it i think uh <laughs> I mean, speaking of the Clippers, you got the claw, you got playoff P, but I think I'm taking LA Ray with nicknames in terms of, in terms of, yeah, that's the best one.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. I like it. I like it.
0: Yeah. So, um, you kind of mentioned before we, we hopped on, you're a little bit new to podcasting as well as us. So, how did you really get into it?
2: Well, actually, uh, yeah, Isha Jerome, the, uh, the guy that runs the basketball podcast network for us, uh, reached out to me. I have a, um, a blog website at uh, laraysports.com, and you know I write a few blogs here and there about LA sports, uh, you know Clippers, Lakers, Dodgers, and things like that. So I believe they ran across my blog site, and then they just reached out to me one day and said that they were starting this um, basketball podcast network and would I be interested in doing a podcast for the Clippers and the Lakers? Now at that point, I'm like. OK, dudes, I mean, I'll try but I've never done a podcast before ever. You know, I'm not like scared of the microphone or anything like that, but I just I've just never done it. But I say, you know, you know, what the hell? I'll try it. And I did it. I've been doing it since uh, January of this year. And I've come to really, really like it. It's uh, and it's really, really challenging, especially just doing it with one person. You know, you guys are, are a team and, but you know, one person is kind of kind of difficult to do but uh, I'm really, really having fun with it. So that's, that's how it all got started for me.
0: Yeah. I, I loved, I listened to a few of your episodes before this. You got a, You got a really good voice for podcasting. Um, so I think you, you,
2: you go right into it. Um, oh, yeah, And then <laughs> I, I incorporate a little music in there too. I'm a, again, I'm, obviously I'm older than you guys. I'm a, I'm an old school hip hop and rap music fan. So I try to incorporate like a few uh, music clips like inside of the episode just you know just something real quick and uh you know just to get the people fired up so i kind of mixed that music piece you know in with the uh you know the talking sports piece and that is working well for me so far
0: yeah we love it we love it um so we'll go right into this matchup uh you talked about the lakers a lot but obviously you're you're covering the clippers as well starting off from what we've seen in these first five games what surprised you in this matchup what what has caught
2: your attention uh, well, I have to start off by saying Paul George has surprised me so far. Uh, last year, of course, they were in the bubble playoffs and they uh, got unceremoniously booted out of there by the Denver Nuggets <laughs> after after uh, holding on to a three games, one lead. Well, actually, they didn't hold on to it. Of course, they lost that three games in a row. And Paul George did not have a good series uh, in, or a good last couple of games. And he's had that like sour taste in his mouth. He, he just wants to get that that taste out of his mouth from losing that 3-1 lead in the uh, in the bubble playoffs last year. So and then, of course, he and uh, Doc Rivers, who uh, was booted off the as a coach of the team, they had a couple of words back and forth on Twitter. You know, Paul George seemed to think that Doc Rivers wasn't using him uh, to his fullest potential or whatever. And Doc kind of initially took the high role. But then after that, after he got the coach, uh, got the job at Philadelphia, he said a couple of things. And they went back and forth for a minute. But uh, Paul George now has an opportunity to redeem himself. And I did not think that he would be able to put this team on his back like he did in his last game. But he's been averaging uh, right around 30 points a game for uh, so far in these five games. So that is really, really surprising to me how well he's playing. Yeah,
0: we absolutely we absolutely agree. We we talked about that just a little bit earlier. It's going to be on this episode.
1: I was yep, just we, thinking about how how last year in the bubble they called him PG13%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, yeah. That was and that he, was a good one.
2: <laughs> right. And then he has his own uh self-proclaimed uh playoff P he called himself. Yeah. You know, when you do that, you know, you put a little extra uh pressure on yourself when you do that. You know, playoff P uh PG13 or whatever he calls himself. So now, again, he has a chance to uh, to redeem himself, especially since Kawhi Leonard is out. We don't know how long he's going to be out right now. They're right. still calling it a, um, a knee sprain. Uh, but, you know, there's rumors in the Clippers organization that they feel he may have a torn ACL, which is pretty disappointing because I like to see all the players healthy when it comes to the playoffs. You know, you want to beat the team beat a team with your best guys on the floor. I know you guys are missing uh, Mike Conley right now. And if they had Mike Conley on this squad, this, uh, this series may be a little bit different.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I have a question. So, so I've been thinking, um, that LA's had, I know you've had a lot of success in this series, but what do you think have been LA's three biggest keys for success?
2: Uh, Well, one of them is trying to uh, curtail uh, Mr. Spider Mitchell there now. And although uh, Donovan Mitchell is still scoring at a high volume, uh, these last couple of games, at least uh, they're making him take some tough shots. And Ty Lue has made a couple of adjustments. And what they're doing now to Mitchell is they're running uh, another guy at him, you know, instead of letting him just stand at the top of the key and he's dribbling around. He's a, he's a very, he's a great player. I mean, don't get me wrong. The guy's a great player, great young player, but right now they're running a second guy at him. So he won't have so many uh, one-on-one opportunities and they're just making it really, really tough for him. Now uh, that game yesterday, he uh, can't, th- I can't remember what his stat was, but uh, he did not shoot that well from the floor. And one of those uh, reasons was they were double-teaming him a lot. Another thing is the guard play for the Clippers. You know, during the season, they had the three-headed monster of uh, Patrick Beverly. They brought in with John Rondo from Atlanta. And, of course, they have Reggie Jackson. And Reggie Jackson is really, really starting to play well. He has actually taken over that point guard spot uh, from Patrick Beverly. And uh, Rondo has pretty much been relegated to just spot duty. I thought they brought Rondo in uh because of what happened to them last year in the bubble playoffs where they just did not get into their offensive sets toward the end of, end of the game like they uh like they were able to do so they brought in rondo in to do that but since reggie jackson has been playing so well he has pretty much taken over that point guard spot so that's another key for um for the clippers and and i would say the third thing is uh Lu, the you know the coach He and Doc Rivers, they have, like, different philosophies on offense. Doc Rivers' teams are are more uh, iso-type teams, let's say. But um, Ty Lue kind of lets his team free flow a little bit more. You see more three-point shots being being put up there. And the team just – the offense just flows a whole lot more uh, smoother with – uh, tyloo as coach but now that's going to be tested now that um Kawhi leonard is out again they had that good game yesterday but we'll see if they'll be able to keep that up when they have a uh, game six at the staples center
0: yeah i we we talked about that as well earlier it, it just seems like all those guys have really stepped up
2: absolutely absolutely and then you know you have guys like uh marcus morris marcus morris senior I, I call him the the better Morris although again I like them both I'm a I'm a clipper clipper and a Lakers fan but uh the Lakers have the and I'm not gonna say the worst Morris you know Mark Heath is is pretty good too but Marcus Morris Sr is the uh he's the uh the better of the two Morris twins and he was on fire i mean that dude was last on fire last night he night. looked like
1: carmelo anthony in the prime
2: <laughs> he sure did i mean he kept them in the game in the first in the uh first half because utah those dudes from Utah, man, they they come out firing. I mean, Bogdanovich. I mean, six threes in a row, really. And you know, then you know, Spider Mitchell. He can shoot the three. Uh, Ingles can shoot the three. Uh, uh, they just have some great shooters on that team. And again, they're playing without Mike Conley, so it was a it was a very very interesting game. I kind of looked at it as like, now you guys are probably too young to remember this, but you remember, you know who. Uh, Marvin Hagler and Tommy Hearns was the boxers from back in the mid 80s. They had a boxing match where they called it the uh, best three rounds in boxing history. They just came out going, you know, like blow for blow, blow for blow. That's how these teams came out last night. They were shooting threes all over the place. And my first thought was the Clippers are not going to be able to hang with this. You know, in the second half, you know, Utah probably just come out and just start hitting even more threes and just run away with it. But to the credit of the uh, Clippers, they hung in there. And then they actually turned the tables on Utah and um, and they played a very good game.
1: So I'll be honest, I wasn't super familiar with a lot of the role players on the Clippers before this series. Um, Looking before the series, I thought the Jazz have to shut down Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. But I really feel like the Clippers have gotten the most out of their role players. Um, Who do you think has especially stepped up in the postseason as a role player?
2: Well, it's funny you mentioned that because during uh this entire when I've been doing this podcast, I've been riding Luke Kennard for like the entire season. You know, with me being from uh, originally I'm from Detroit. I don't know if I mentioned that, but I am originally from Detroit. And so I know a lot about the Detroit Pistons and Luke Kennard was the number 1 draft pick of the Pistons the same year that Donovan Mitchell Came yeah. out of uh, I believe Louisville, right? Mm-hmm. But Stan Van Gundy, he was a coach at the time. Now he's he got unceremoniously booted out of New Orleans already. He's a horrible <laughs> coach. He's a horrible coach and a horrible talent evaluator. But he chose Luke Kennard in that draft over Donovan Mitchell. And when that happened, I'm like, dude, are you crazy, Donovan Mitchell? He's a he's a beast. So I've been kind of riding him. And then Luke Kennard last year signs that 64 million dollar four year extension. You know, that Steve Ballmer gave him. You know, I looked at it like, you know, Luke Canard just walked into the office in the, in, at nighttime and just got into the safe and stole $64 million. So I've been riding him all year. But now he's starting to play well. He's like a key guy coming off the bench. He has confidence now in his shot, and he can shoot the, um, the three ball, of course. So if he can't do anything else, he can shoot that three when he's open. So he has been very, very a key and uh, the Clippers success in these last, I would say, the end of the Dallas series is when he started playing really, really well. And then that has come over to this uh, Utah Jazz series as well. So he's going to be a, a key cog uh, moving forward. And then another guy, Terrence Mann, you know, that dunk that he got over the uh, I call him the uh, French Riviera or Rudy Gobert <laughs> you guys have over there. You know, guys, looks like he's Eiffel Tower guy, about as tall as the Eiffel Tower. And he just went in there and dunked on Terrence Mann. He's a guy, I mean, dunked on Rudy Gobert. He's a guy that just brings just all kind of energy. You know, he's not a high volume scorer or anything like that. He's not the best defender in the world, but he's definitely not the worst defender in the world. But when he comes in there, he brings a lot of energy to the team. And then the Clippers kind of follow suit. So I would say Terrence Mann and uh, Luke Kennard are two of the key pieces coming off the bench. And now since Kawhi Leonard is hurt, Terrence Mann has actually been inserted in the starting lineup to take his place. So they have a, they have a pretty good bench.
1: Yeah, they really do. It, it seems like the Clippers are like 12 guys deep. Um, I really feel like Ty Lue has gotten the most out of every single player this season, this postseason. season. Um, I think the narrative kind of before this year about Ty Lue was, you know, he's not a great coach. LeBron was the coach in Cleveland. It wasn't Ty Lue, but I feel like in this series, especially and in the Maverick series, Ty Lue has shown that he is a very capable coach, and I feel like he's out-schemed both Rick Carlisle and Quinn Snyder. Um, what do you think of Ty Lue as a coach?
2: Uh, again, if I compare him to Doc Rivers, uh, if I had my preference, I would prefer Ty Lue, uh, only because of his offensive philosophy. And, you know, he did have that – that um, negative moniker i guess you would call it back when you know when lebron james won the title in cleveland you know it wasn't tyloo 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 didn't do anything to win that series this is what people say you know you just roll the basketball out you give it to lebron james and then lebron james just you know facilitates and gets people involved and that's why they won the championship you have to have a you have to have a coach that would be able to um mold these players into uh, a team and then play up to their strengths and that's the strength of uh, Ty Lue as a coach. I, I think he really, really brings that to the table. And he's bringing that to the L.A. Clippers right now. He's letting Paul George play the Paul George type of game. Now, Paul George is not just going to go out there and just do whatever, you know, whatever the hell he wants. Like I say, he told Doc Rivers pretty much or he complained in the press that he didn't like the way he was being used. But Ty Lue is coming in and say, OK, Paul George, he he plays this specific kind of way. He likes a more free-flowing offense as opposed to an ISO-type offense. And he's letting them play his game. And then the rest of the uh the Clippers, you know, he's letting him do their thing. Whatever their strengths are, he utilizes that to, to the best of uh best of his ability. So I think that's what he brings to the uh to the table for the Clippers. And I think that's really what the Clippers needed after they uh parted ways with Doc Rivers last year.
0: Yeah, and I think his coaching style has been definitely apparent in this series with the Jazz. He's been making some really big adjustments, I think, against this Jazz team that's been really solid in their lineups. But because of the depth of the Clippers, they've been able to rotate their guys and have been able to find those key matchups that Ty Lue really wants as a coach. So, and I, I think those matchups have been super beneficial for you guys in the last three games as you guys have just won three in a row.
2: Um, yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, and and you know what? the Actually, it's the, uh, some pressure on Ty Lue as well because if they don't at least make it to the Western Conference Finals, as we all know, the Clippers as a franchise has not made it to the Western Conference Finals at all in their history, not even when they were in San Diego. And they've only been in Los Angeles since 1984. So if they are able to beat the Jazz tomorrow in the Staples Center, then they will reach that milestone at, as the Western Conference Finals. But let's say if he comes up short, and doesn't make it, and next year they don't know whether you could because uh, Kawhi Leonard is uh, he has a player option. Kawhi Leonard can walk out the door next year if he wants to. Now that may change even change now, especially if he has an ACL injury, he may be forced to just stay there. But Lu has a I think he has a lot of pressure on him because if he does not win, you know the the fans in Los Angeles, the Clippers fans are going to be very disappointed. The Laker fans will be jubilant jubilant i'll tell you what guys i'll be on twitter a lot and the trolling that goes back and forth between these two teams is just it's unbelievable the lakers fans in la they can't stand the clippers you know they don't even call them the clippers they call them the the flippers Or, or 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 they would say you know what this team needs to to move out of Los Angeles and you know move to Wichita, Kansas or or Bismarck, North Dakota or something like that. And then the Clipper fans will come back and, you know, and say, you know, the Lakers are they're, they're trash and LeBron James is trash and all of this. And then the Lakers will come back and say, well, we've won 18 championships and you guys haven't won any. And I, I may chime in. It's sort of like I'm like a mediator. I'm <laughs> champion. I say, well, the 18 championships you won, Lakers, that's beautiful. Or 17, actually, that's a beautiful thing. But it doesn't have anything to do with this year. You know, Magic Johnson's not playing in this this series. You know, Kareem abdul is not playing. You know, Jerry West is not playing. So those those championships, 17 or 18, whatever it is, that's a beautiful thing. But it has zero to do with what's happening this year. So I kind of be like a uh, a mediator. guy that's why i wanted to do this podcast with both teams because in los angeles you will you won't find too many fans who like both of these teams or will root for both of these teams it's either the clippers or the lakers and that's it and i'm one of the few guys that's kind of like in the middle so kind of call myself a a moderator for these two teams or (laughs) a mediator i should say
0: yeah i I like that because that's definitely an interesting take especially coming from a rivalry standpoint you don't really see most people like that who can you know, stand in the middle of two rivalry teams, which I think is a very interesting concept. Um, going going to these final two games against the Clippers and the Jazz, how do you see this one playing out? Do you think the Clippers are going
2: to make it to their first Western Conference Finals, or do you think the Jazz may surprise everyone? Well, before last night's game, I would have said that the Clippers would not make it to the Western Conference Finals. But watching that game last night and seeing the way that they played and seeing the way that Paul George played and that by the next game being in the Staples Center tomorrow night, I really think the Clippers now will make it to the Western Conference Finals. And, I mean, it's like they have to. It's it's like the pressure is on right now. They may not have as good of a chance moving forward, or who knows, because who knows what's going to happen to uh, Kawhi Leonard. So tomorrow night, the Clippers are going to come out on all cylinders. and. Also, you have the crowd factor because tomorrow is the first game in L.A. where the whole arena would be open. All of the COVID restrictions in California has been lifted. So instead of eight or 9,000 being in the stands, you're going to have whatever the Staples Center holds, 18,000, 19,000, whatever it is, and those fans are going to be raucous and rabid, and they're going to be loud, you know, and I think they're going to they're help the Clippers to victory over Utah, it'd be a close game. And the Clippers actually have a little, you know, especially Paul George, you know, he, he may have a little bit more playoff experience than say some of the Utah players have. So it should be very interesting, but yes, to answer your question, yes, I do think the Clippers will finally, finally make it to the Western conference finals. I think from your standpoint, being a fan of both LA teams, it's
0: kind of like a win-win or I guess, I guess a win loss every season. Obviously last year, Lakers win the NBA championship and, this year, most likely, the Clippers are going to make it to the Western Conference Finals for the first time in, in the organization's history. Um, looking, looking back at this entire season from what has gone on, do you think that up to this point, you know, even only up 3-2 in the second round, do you think it's been a success so far for the Clippers, or do you think they, they really have to go farther for them to say, okay, you know what, this was a successful season?
2: I think they have to go uh, further. They have to go further than this. I mean, this is the uh, semifinals. They were in semifinals last year in the Western Conference in the bubble uh, when they lost again. The Clipper fans, they don't like me uh, reliving that uh, uh, up 3-1 against Denver and blowing a 3-1 lead and, and, and mentioning e- every chance that I get that uh, Doc Rivers is the only coach in NBA history that has blown three – series that he or he and his team was ahead three games to one and has blown that three times so i always bring that up and you know the clippers don't like Clipper fans don't like that <laughs> but they have to you know to have a successful season they have to at least make it to the western conference finals before this season started I, you know my dream of course was to have the lakers and the clippers meet in the western conference finals now how great would that have been if the lakers were able to do that, but obviously you know lebron james gets hurt anthony davis gets hurt again you know guys almost like teflon man gets hurt gets hurt (laughs) too much but so the lakers were out so now okay you got the clippers left so the clippers don't have to worry about overcoming the lakers they you know if they close out with utah then of course now you have to run into the phoenix suns who i underestimated all year long and see what they can do with them but they have to make it to the western conference finals at least in order for this to be a successful season for the clippers
0: yeah uh we we thought the same thing as jazz fans going into the playoffs is that that's really the goal that we thought would be good for them to kind of look back at a successful season um you have a lot of content coming up i mean as a as a lakers guy that would have been awesome to see the two lakers match up in the western conference finals i think you would have had some great stuff for your podcast coming up but Either way, I think you've got some good stuff coming up. Where can where can some people find you to listen to your episodes?
2: So, uh, LA Courtside Pod again is part of the Basketball Podcast uh, Network, just like you guys' podcast is uh, affiliated with them. And on Twitter, you can uh, follow the podcast at LA Courtside Pod. And then, of course, wherever listeners get their um, podcasts from, what what you know, it, whether it be Apple or Google or spotify or stitcher or iHeartRadio, radio any one of those platforms you can find la courtside pot you know you guys again you know you youngsters man you guys know a whole lot more about uh apple play and google and iheart and all that kind of stuff so i let somebody else handle that i just know where you can find it so <laughs> you can uh anyone can go on those platforms and find um uh, L.A. Courtside Pod, and again, also I do a little blog writing. I haven't um, done much of it lately, but you know, when this NBA season is over, I definitely get back into writing a lot of blogs. And uh, my blog site is uh, LARaySports.com, and I also write for fansited.com, which is a uh, a sports site, and I do a lot of writing for the Clippers. Actually, it's called the uh, Clipperholics site at fansighted.com. so i do uh some writing for them as well so i'm just enjoying it guys I, I really am i'm just a huge huge sports fan been a sports fan all my life and i'm just now starting to get into all of this and it's just it's just really really fun really exciting and it's good you know i'm glad to be able to get on a show like you know i'm glad you guys invited me on because i haven't done i think i've done one more of these and um it's just it's just fun it's just fun times you know i do it you know, in my in my spare time, you know, I do have a, a, a another job that I have to attend to, so I do this in my spare time, and I'm really, really enjoying it.
0: Yeah, we we understand the exact same thing. We're, you know, full time college students when it comes to it, and trying to work on the job. But there's just something about sports that just brings everyone together, and it's so fun to talk with people all over who love different teams, and we can just bond over this. So honestly, thank you for coming in.
2: No problem, guys. No problem. And, uh, you know, you guys want to have me on in the future. I'm definitely open to it. And I may be reaching out to you guys. Once I get this technology piece together and, you know, sending the link to this, how you guys have me on camera. And I was kind of worried about that today. I don't don't know how I'm going to look on camera, but (laughs) I'll be on. So I'll be on. And here I am. So I I thank you guys for having me on. and, um, And I wish you much success in the future. Same to you, man. Thanks for coming on. Okay, no problem. You guys have a great day.
0: Richie and I would like to thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Thatcher Effect. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to future episodes and invite your friends and family to join us on the ride on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you'd like to hear more about our episodes, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Thatcher Effect Podcast. We'd like to thank Money Wizard for the intro music, L.A. Ray for guest appearing, and the Basketball Podcast Network for hosting us. We'll see you next week.